We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think I might have told you this because we connected a couple of times, but you were the very first person I met that was any affiliation to Blue Water. Oh, okay. I, I've met a few others since we've actually spoken. Yeah. So, like, I did, uh, there's Kenny King who does the Raiders podcast on yep. that as well, and then Cody. They were paired together, uh, Raider Cody, so we did a show with them as well. Um, there was another show, I want to say they called me up, but I couldn't do it. There was some kind of a thing going on, probably training camp. Raiders, I think. Oh, I know all about that with your your Raiders love because I've been trying to get you on the show for so long. And you're like, I just dude, didn't. I want to, but I can't because of my schedule. Heidi Fang, award-winning visual journalist covering MMA, Raiders Review Journal, Vegas Nation podcast, radio host, six-time fantasy football champ, and mom of a super ninja. Welcome. Thank Welcome you so much. Show. I'm happy to be here with you. Yeah, this is your first time in the studio it's as well. It's beautiful in here. It's like everything that you could want yeah. in a studio here at the Blue Wire podcast studios. Yeah. Inside the room. It's Can't a, believe it. Yeah. I, I don't saw Max it. Crosby up here a minute ago. Yep. It, yep. It was like everybody comes in, does their thing in here. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, and I don't take it for granted. This is super cool um, to, to think I was doing my show out my parents' basement. like. I think 82% of podcasts out there and not, not to be here. It's, it's been cool to just see the, the maturation of the show and the content and going back. It's funny that you come on the show this week because we're going to talk about the UFC pay-per-view, but you did so much for me. The first time that I came out to Vegas, I came out March of 2020, right before shit hit the fan with COVID. Right. And it was Romero and Adesanya. I had just signed with Blue Wire like the tail end of 2019. And I just was like, you know what, man? My birthday is March 11th. The card was on like March 7th. Why not? Let's let's go, let's go to Vegas. So I, I went, um, I, I flew my uh videographer, Alex from Chicago. Never had met him, had him come out here. Oh. He, was, he was doing a bunch of editing for me. 
and he's still he's he's still a part of the show and he he comes out first time that I meet him and I had messaged you got in touch with you connected with you um and you were like yeah dude come I'll I'll have you come and like sort of like a BS intern so I could be able to get into the door and you're like you know just just you'll hang out with me you'll get to see like I got to see the actual weigh-ins which was super cool because I never knew that aspect of it. Like, You've only seen the ceremonial ones. Oh, that was the only right. ones I had ever seen. I never saw what that was like. And that was when Romero had everyone on their P's and Q's because he came and All he right. had a he had a little bit of a track record of missing weight. And then he showed up like an hour later. Yeah. And uh, ironically enough, I met Volkanovsky there at the year. That was a fun time. And, like you know, first of all, I'm always about helping others that have the goals in mind like you did you were set you knew what you wanted to do you know I'd seen a little bit after you you know, told me on uh, Twitter I think we were talking and you're just like yeah I got this I got this going on I'm like cool I checked it out I was like yeah awesome let's just do this let's get this guy in here and <laughs> so I'm happy to help I'm glad I was part of your journey man it makes me feel good to help people and I'm about that and so when you came through and Volkanovsky was there speaking with us for the Las Vegas Review Journal. And we had, um, they, they, I think we had James Krause too. We did, Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah, Speaking of that, I, I mean, there's lots of things that all come full circle. In the end, we were just talking about yeah. uh, Adesanya beforehand. So lots of interesting times that we've had, the short time that we've known each other. But like MMA is always a wild ride, and I'm happy that you're part of that. Yeah, yeah. and you and you had me rub shoulders with a couple of people, and then I ended up, I actually ended up earning credentials to the Brooklyn card. And then, you know, COVID hit. We never got Tony versus Habib, which was, you know, That's we're snake bit. But yeah, I just wanted to give that backstory because I'm someone that I take pride in things that people take for granted. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always, I always like want to show love and appreciation to you. That's why when uh, you hit me up during the football season and you were like, hey, I want you to come on. I was like, yeah, no, for, for you anytime. Oh, I but if I can make time for yeah, sure. Thank you. Let's get into it. There's a lot of interesting topics to talk about this week. And uh, I want to start with the main event. I want to start with the pay-per-view. And my reaction now is kind of how I feel like the buildup has been, Mm. which is wild to me because I feel like the 155 title, I don't want to say it's the main title for the men's divisions, but it's an important one. Like the legacy and the lineage behind it. Like Poirier's had an interim. Habib, obviously. Uh, Oliveira went on a tear. Connor held it. Like there's, there's history there. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like that's kind of my reaction to what I've seen the buildup. It wasn't until it's Wednesday today that we're recording. But I think the first time I saw like an actual promo was Monday night. It's funny because I remember when you asked me if I could do this, I said, you know what, let's wait until it gets to be about Wednesday, because then I would have seen some of the build up. I would have been able to get kind of a feel for the card. And all I've seen is that Islam is in trouble for feeding animals he's not supposed to feed in Australia. And that he actually mentioned to Dana that he wanted to see more promotion for this card and that there hadn't been any. And the fact of the matter is, if I didn't follow a lot of the people that I do on Twitter, because um, although in my bio, it still says I cover MMA, I'm not as deep in as I used to be, um, mostly because of the Raiders and uh, having that kind of being my primary focus and just got out of the season, but I'm still in the mix. I still weave and 
weave and dip and dive when I can. But um, uh, Volkanovsky had some said something to the effect that you know if it's here we are in my home you know Australia and all that but if I didn't see these things on Twitter like I wouldn't really have seen some of what's going on down there really relying upon a lot of journalists and people like yourself that I follow to know what's going on with this fight well it's it's fascinating that you mentioned that because one of my good friends uh Brandon we call him Finney he's been on the show a bunch of times and we were on Xbox last night and he's like, dude, when is uh, Vulcan Islam fighting? And we're like, Saturday. He's like, no way. We're like, yeah. He goes, what the f- How? Yeah. Like, how come there's no, no buildup, no. right? Yeah. These are two. Well, Islam, the jury's still out, I feel, as if, you know, he hasn't had, is his first title defense. Uh, but Volkanovsky has, you know, 25 straight wins, mm-hmm. I believe it is. Or yeah, he's undefeated. Because right, he only lost to, I think this guy's name was Corey Davis. And I think it was like his fourth fight. And so he's he got, hasn't lost in a decade. Yeah. Right. And <laughs> he's undefeated in the UFC and he's the 145 pound champ undisputed. And he's kind of cleaned out the division and he's pound for pound number one. So that's what's on the line. It's the 155 title of Islam and then the pound for pound. And they're doing it in his backyard. Like the lead up I thought was interesting because I think both of these guys are super compelling. But on the flip side, it's weird when like a friend of mine, like Finney, who is like, we're in a UFC group chat. We're always talking like he watches the early prelims. It's not just a main event. It's everything. Uh, we're watching everything. And for him and for someone like you who covers it to be like, dude, the, the card is this week. That's crazy. Right. And so coming up on it, like I always, I, it's funny. I may not tweet as much as I used to. My tweets used to be the most descriptive thing in the world. Like I had like the whole round Broken down to 140 characters. Yeah. <laughs> when, like, this is what happened. This is what happened. And, and now I'm like, wow, that was a really cool elbow. <laughs> this starts come. But I'm still watching. And I watch almost every card as much as I can when I'm not traveling um, or otherwise engaged with my other aspects of my job. But uh, for the most part, I'm just, like, in awe right now of the main event being that both guys career-wise have only had one loss mm. and then seeing how much like Volkanovsky has like grown. He's just a master of what he does. Like it, people knew the hands and people knew the low kicks. People knew the Muay Thai, right? But I mean, you combine all of the aspects of everything that makes him great now, he's just like, I, I don't know. It's it, the only thing I always think is about, oh, the size difference, right? He's got like a whole height thing going on but it doesn't seem to slow him down at all and no matter who the opponent is i think the two things got eliminated in my opinion from what the air quotes narrative was about both of these fighters what islam did to charles Oliveira, i think that eliminates the eh, well he his, his strength of schedule hasn't been that impressive yeah but then to do what you did to charles Oliveira in that fashion and then also i think like i can't imagine what his squeeze is like to make Oliveira, who's probably the best jujitsu guy in the men's divisions across the board, to make him tap that quickly, it's like, holy shit, what kind of squeeze does he have, yeah. right? And then Volkanovski to completely obliterate Max Holloway the way he did in that last fight to the point where it looked as if I was fighting. He made Max look as if I was fighting him, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, I'm a blue belt in jujitsu. Yeah. 
but I have no stand up at all. I don't do any of the punching. Uh, some of my buddies at Syndicate, they're like, hey, yo, come and do the Muay Thai. I'm like, dude, I got to look decent on camera so I can monetize some of this shit. So I'm not trying to get elbow you, to the mouth. You should actually, because then, you know, it could go along with the theme. And then people would be like, oh, he's legit. He yeah. actually fought, man. It's like, you know. Yeah. So you want me to get my ass kicked, it's too, like right? That's what it is. Because <laughs> uh, Rampage Jackson was here uh, oh, yeah? a couple of weeks ago. Okay. And uh, we were just talking, and I was wearing a jujitsu shirt. And he goes, oh, dude, you're a black belt? I was like, no, nah, man, I, you know, I, I train. I'm a blue belt. He goes, oh, me too. And then uh, Chris Van Vliet and Brian, they're like, Nick, you could take him. I was like, oh, I see what you guys are doing. Okay. <laughs> Trying to get me killed. Is I he see. tangled up with yeah. Rampage? He actually, one of his fights that I don't think, it, I think it might have been corrected by now. One of his first fights on his record, like he didn't have a stat on anything because the ring broke. Like the actual, it was a ring, not an octagon. Yeah. The ring broke. Like they, he said it was all messed up and they didn't have it right. And he threw oh. somebody out of the cage and it says like DQ or something or TKO. But no, I think it said TKO, but he said it was a DQ because the cage, the, the actual ring broke. Yeah. So that, I don't know what happened on that record, but I remember interviewing him once about that. Dang. Yeah. That's think uh, about that. Yeah, that's wild. To have the, the guy that break. suplexed another dude out of a ring and broke it. Yeah, they wanted you to roll with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you know, I know we got a little sidetracked, but like that's what Volkanovski made Max Holloway, who is arguably, if not one, he's the second best 145er in UFC history. He made him look like amateurs being polite, and it was wild because he beat him at like his own game, the stand up. Yeah. And I think that was like, okay, this dude is. Yeah, he was 2-0 and against them, but it was it was funky, right? Like, the second one, I felt like Max won it. That's why they ended up running it back right. a third time. Yeah. But it's definitive, and he's cleaned out the division. And then Islam, I think he proved himself, at least for me, that, all right, this dude's legit to do what you did to Charles. Because I think you see that a lot in fighters. And ironically enough, with the Super Bowl this weekend— like, I think there's some comparisons between, like, the Eagles defense and then sometimes you'll hear fighters, like, they haven't really, fought, they haven't been tested. They haven't fought anywhere. And, and then okay. with Islam, with Islam doing what he did to Charles, I think that really opened up our eyes to, yeah, it, it, it don't matter. He's probably everything that Habib says he is. I think that's part of it, too, when you say Habib, like, that it being at the same gym, a.k.a., yeah. that when they were coming up, a lot of people just kind of had their focus all on Habib. And for Islam to kind of come out of that shadow now and be the guy that Javier Mendez says he is, like, just trying to live up to that name and the kind of record that Habib set. And now you're the guy in the gym that's and you're coming up into your own and people are... Not quite sure, but here's the thing. If you're training with Habib Nurmagomedov day in and day out, and that is who you were coached by, that's who you were. I know he won't coach him for this one, but when you think about that and just how much it might take to even just, let's say, play a scout team for him, like to emulate another fighter when you're trying to help him prepare or when you're grappling or rolling or wrestling or any of that with him, how much that helps you elevate your game. Like that's a part of it where when people talk about the testing for him that I think, well, wasn't he tested already coming into this? I mean, to be able to stick with it and to kind of rise up and to become the man that he is after working with him. And Javier has trained his, uh, you know, stable of really badass fighters over yeah. the years. You know, think champions. about everybody, Cormier and Rockhold and all those guys that came out of their cane, you know, uh, and then Habib and just it goes on and on and on and on and and me. You trained there? Yeah. Back when it was called West Coast Taekwondo. Oh. 
<laughs> that was what they started it out as back in the 80s. And then it became one thing to another, to another, to another. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it was really funny. Like one of the very first interviews I did with Javier was about, I was like, you know, I think you might have trained me before you went. And they had a few different branches. It became like a, a chain. And it was called West Coast Taekwondo. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> we did have that. Maybe I did. You know, I don't know. I don't remember. I was like eight, I think, when I started there. So it was like eight or nine. Yeah. And then oh, so this is. I don't remember everybody's name. When did they change it to AK? Um, Somewhere like early or late 80s, I want to say. I'd have to look it up. But I remember it became the fight camp that it is now. Yeah. And it like, all stemmed from out of that earlier stuff when they were competing like when javier was competing and stuff oh damn it, yeah i love the background <laughs> to that. Totally that's crazy. so fascinating you mentioned yeah. habib not being there do you think that's do you think that's something we should take in well i mean he's been away now for what about a, feels like eternity but maybe a couple years Wait, no but i mean just like he's not going to be in the corner right which i find very interesting because habib's kind of been walking him through it like mm -hmm. you see all the clips like there's that funny meme of Habib has like an Xbox controller yeah. and it's like Islam now, you know, uh, Kamora's <laughs> yes. there and he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Counter, counter, left, you know, all that. So I, I think that's something, yeah. you're not having your, your main guy in your corner. I think so too. You become used to calls. You become used to the playbook, if you will. Like, um, for instance, when Frankie Edgar works with his coaching staff, they call out, you'll hear it like States. Right. They say mm. like California or New York or Florida. And, and they're all something. different combos or they're all different. Like, you know, OK, that means to shoot the single leg. Right. But if you have to become used to a new verbiage from a new coach, maybe he and Habib had their own language and their own playbook. And now you have to try to relearn what another coach is telling you. And plus the voice when. I would train or I don't know about you when you do sports or something like that. You can hear like your mother's voice. You can hear your father's voice going, ah, come on, cheering you on or something like that. Or you can single out those voices because you're used to them. Um, but when you're training with, you know, somebody else that maybe you haven't worked so much uh, um, closely with and then now they're calling the shots out of your corner, maybe you're not hearing it as directly or that you're not as ingrained picking mm. it up. So those are the one couple things. But. I feel like the camp is strong enough where no matter who corners him, as long as they are giving him, because that is a big deal. You have corners that have certain ways about him. Like Greg Jackson always seems to me to know what his corner, um, what his fighter needs and how to talk to his fighter. And I think that sometimes you don't see that with every coach. You'll hear a coach say, hey, you're doing great and uh, you're winning. You're up two rounds and everyone at home is like, no, we're not. Maybe telling the truth. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe that's the coach's way of knowing that that's what that fighter needs for the motivation to continue on but it's i think there's a lot of different ways that you could look at it yeah but if i was a fighter and my coach comes up to me after the second round he's like dude you know we got two in the bank right and i don't <laughs> i'm like yo dude are you watching you're fired uh, yeah. i would fire the dude personally or lady I, you know, they're not cornering me anymore. Right. I, like, I would want to know. Give it to me straight. I would want, mm -hmm. and I would want it to be like, yo, you're down 2-0. Get your shit right. Yep. Get it together. I love the famous clip of GSP with his corner when he's like, get your breathing under control, Mr. St. Pierre. And he's like, I think I pulled my groin. And he's like, I don't care, George. I don't care, George. This is what we're made of. That's Hit him with your we groin. Go. Yeah. It's like, yeah, man, that's what I want. If I'm, a, if I'm in a fight for my life, and it's it, not even for a title, like at any level, I want transparency. I, mm -hmm. I have 
there's people in my life that their opinion means a lot to me. I'll never tell them that because I don't want them to have that power over me. <laughs> but they, if they tell me like, dude, man, I don't like what you did there. I'll be devastated. By that. I will. I don't want them to know this. Right. But I'm also someone, I guess you like growing up in sports and growing up with my parents were straight shooters. Like mm -hmm. you were a piece of shit back then. <laughs> like you, what you did was not cool. Like, what are you doing? My mom, when I was like 26, she's like, why would anyone want to like date you? Right? Like, why would anyone want to be with like, get your shit right? Like, what are you doing? But that's how I was, right? I wasn't right. going to, you know, fetal position and cry about it. Like, that's the criticism that I would like to receive from people whose opinions I care about. So to me, if I was a fighter and my coach is like, yeah, man, you're, you're winning. It's like, nah, you're probably not going to corner me again. I would rather know straight yeah. up. Just tell me straight up. Like, look, your hook is lazy. You're not turning your hips fast enough on that kick. Somebody tell me the truth. You know, you got to get in there and, and double leg them. That's your only chance. Tell me, tell them double leg right now. Get down, work to, you know, get on the uh, top, you know, top position and, and ground and pound them. That's their only shot. That's all you're going to get because you got nothing else left. You know, yeah. I would rather somebody tell me. Like Leon Edwards' corner. Mm -hmm. you, you know, you got to go out there and finish. Like mm -hmm. get, get yourself together. Like why are you down on yourself? And then it's an iconic clip. I think the Habib thing is... You know, come Monday, we'll be saying, oh, no Habib there played a big role, depending on how this fight shakes out. But I also love the Volkanovski camp. Yeah. I think they have an awesome team over there. And, and Volkanovski's a very smart fighter. I'm blown away by the odds of this fight, too. He's a three-to-one underdog, which I think uh, is crazy. Yeah, you can get him anywhere from, like, plus 285 to... You know, I think, I think oftentimes in, in MMA... I'll, I think Islam wins this fight, and people have such a problem understanding this, but I think Islam wins the fight, but I'm going to bet Volkanovski yeah. because I think that the line is wrong. I don't think he should be a three-to-one dog, and I think Volkanovski either wins the fight or gets finished, and that also goes to what we've seen from Islam. I think he has 11 straight finishes. Yeah, a lot of knockouts, a lot of submissions. This guy is a monster, yeah. and when I think about that, just we were talking about the implications earlier that both of these guys have only one loss. Like that's just bizarre to me and that you're at this phase of your career now and that you've only had one loss. Like in MMA, a boxing, you see that a lot, but in MMA, it's a lot different because you go through the early ranks and you go through when you're not a complete fighter yet and you're still trying to build and learn who you are and you haven't even peaked yet. And that's the thing that's crazy is when I think about it, I, I like the value on Volkanovski because I, I do think that Islam is a monster, but like you were, we we're talking about how he needs to come up and he needs to, um, you know, we need to see him challenge, but just to think that he has not hit his peak yet. Yeah. That's what's scary about him. He has not hit that peak yet. Yeah. Yeah. I stand corrected. He has 11 submission victories. He has five straight finishes. Okay. Five straight. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's going to be really interesting. And I think Volkanovski, he, he has a very impressive resume, too. Mm -hmm. He's beaten, he beat Max three times. He made Korean Zombie. Like, he was asking him, you okay, brother? And then he, you know, jabs him. You're like, damn, dude, psychopath. <laughs> He's got uh, a lot of personality. Yeah. and He's uh, my kind of psychopath. Yeah, it's, um, <laughs> it's going to be fun. And, and I wonder why this 
Do you have any take as to why you think the publicity behind this pay-per-view? I don't. I don't. You would think, remember when they went to Australia with Ronda? That's right. all it was. Australia. Ronda. Yeah, yeah. Everybody knew where they were going. It used to be a big deal when the UFC broke ground into a new country. And also, I think one of their highest attended events ever was at Marvel Stadium down there. Yeah. And it was Whitaker Adesanya yeah. the first time. Mm-hmm. And like 58,000 people. And that's the other thing. Volkanovsky's got his home crowd behind him. Right, right. right. This is a home, well, that was a big, home game. <laughs> yeah, this was a big part of the storyline where Habib and Islam said, we're go- coming to your yard mm-hmm. and we're going for pound for pound. So... Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. I think I think Australia is a big like that area of of the world is big into MMA. You have fighters coming out of that region that are so successful. Right. Remember City kickboxing, that yeah. camp and and even Volkanovsky. So it's been weird. And you know, like you see all these advertisements for power slap. That's which like it's so That's my it, sad sounds yeah. for power slap. I'm not, I can't. I can't call it a sport one can't no and it's it's so weird and stupid to me because if you let anyone have a clean shot on your jaw or chin it's like it doesn't take much to to be put out and you know what remember they had this thing with no open-handed strikes in mma and then you go back to um the fight where there it was in pride where it was just slapping yeah. Yeah. I, it's names escaping me right now, but I know it. I could pull up. Well, I mean, the Diaz brothers yeah. made the stock <laughs> and slap too, a thing. Right. And, and then, like, everything was open handed strikes became uh, outlawed or something. But now we're doing it as power slap. There's also, there's also jujitsu competitions where it's open hand strikes. Mm-hmm. And you see dudes just getting knocked out while yeah. they're shooting on, like, you know, leg locks. Yeah. It's wild. I'm just so, not a fan of it, though. I, uh, the, the whole idea of power slap is not, it doesn't appeal to me at all. I'm going to sound super ignorant saying this, but I don't see it as like a skill-based art, right? You're, you're just standing still and you're letting someone a clean shot. Yeah. It's only skill-based, I think, when it's not standing still and there's a, a clean, not a clean shot, like if it's a chunkla, but then that would be chunkla throwing contests. So I don't know about how <laughs> go down. Well, well I, th- I think also like if you're if, if Hit the they moving were, target, if they were doing something where it was like power slap, but it's yeah. it's like a boxing, you know, like it's like a it's a fight. Right. You can't you can't shoot double legs. You can't right. you can't try to choke someone out like your only strikes is no kicks. It's only slaps. I think that would be more entertaining because you could bob and weave. Yeah. You know, you could slip under. But yeah. if I'm just standing there like this and it's like, yeah, dude, uh, throw all your power behind this shot. I'm fascinated by the clips. Don't get me wrong. I I've think watching the I watch the clips when it's on social media, but that's also like the best up. Right? I can't sit there and engage like for the whole thing. I can't. can't. I can't. I just because I don't I don't think it's very skillful. I right. think it's just, it doesn't take much. Like, you could get, you could get anyone. If they just clean clock you in the jaw, you're probably going to be knocked out. Disaster mode. I just think about it, and I think there's so much more that we can do as a society, as a culture. I mean, I love MMA because it's so tactical, because it's so skillful. I love boxing for the same reasons. And, yeah, yeah it is like, you know, gladiator-type sports, and I, I love that. Mm. I love watching just the raw edge competition that it takes to go 
from an MMA one discipline to the next to be able to, you know, find your angle in on a guy or the power of will in boxing. Like when you're trying to figure out like how much more you have in the tank and if you can get to the distance of that fight and how much more your opponent might come in with power and how much you're going to have to work on the outside strategically to figure out the guy that you're fighting across from you or the lady that you're fighting across from you and how to get it done. And for me, when I see those, I'm like, yeah, that is, it takes strategy. It takes discipline. It takes training. So much training. Mm. You know, I mean, you're doing jujitsu. You know how much just goes into just jujitsu. Just jujitsu, yeah. And yeah, then yeah. these guys are training striking and Muay Thai and yeah, everything else. It's just amazing what these guys do and put themselves through as athletes. And I respect every single one of them. But when you go into something like power slap, what are you doing to train? Like, yeah, Mr. Miyagi, we're clapping. Like, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm just trying to think. But it's, <laughs> it, it doesn't, it, like you said, the thing that gets me, it's a, sitting duck like okay and so you can't even defend here right you can't defend anything in your frame yeah. up, uh, and from your neck up and people are getting hurt doing this you could see it people are getting concussed doing yeah. it yeah on some, and, of course they are yeah and it's like what we spent so many years trying to legitimize mixed martial arts yeah the people who didn't call it a sport and going through the rules and fine-tuning them to make them so that it could be appreciated by a massive audience. And then you're going to throw a power slap at me. That's where I have a problem. I, I totally agree with you. I really do. And I think it's just, it's just really silly to have just clean shots on someone's face. And then be surprised that they don't retaliate. Like, yeah, dude, you're going to be put out. Mm -hmm. It's just weird to me. Before we wrap up with the main event, though, just to circle back. Because I do think Power Slap has been advertised so much more than this main event in this card. Who do you <laughs> I think you're right. who do you have in the main event? Oh gosh. I can't go against Volk, man. I just feel that that underdog spirit, especially now you said he's three to one. I I do. I think he's very masterful at what he's done. If he can pick apart the guys that we've talked about, like Max Holloway, and find ways to bring them down. Um, if he's savvy enough against Islam and be, and it might sound boring because when we say this word in MMA, it becomes a boring fight, technical, mm. and work his way from the outside. Don't let him in. Don't let him in. That's where he makes his work, right? Yeah. Gets inside, starts working you, gets a submission. Can't have that. You got to make keep sure you keep him on the outside. I want to see the lead leg stay on the outside of him and just kind of kick pepper, yeah. kick pepper, in, out, dodge, hit the jab, that kind of stuff. Well, like That's my coaching. Yeah, I um, I, I hate when people don't appreciate technical fighters like that, and I think it's because I'm such a big fan of MMA, and I, I I've I don't want to say I understand it fully because there are levels to this. Oh, Especially sure. like I train at Syndicate. Yeah, and I see a lot of those guys are there eight to ten hours. Oh yeah, like training. Oh yeah, it's like dude, no wonder why I get ragdolled by this kid who's a, the same level as me, but he's training three times a day, and I'm training three times a week, if that. It's like, yeah, there's levels, there's levels to everything, but also like a guy, Volkanovski, a guy like Adesanya, same camp. Sometimes they'll get heat, and not Volkanovski so much the last couple of fights, but like the technical aspect to it. Mm -hmm. Being calculated, mm -hmm. I think that's so masterful to watch. I would never call it boring. No. But to the casual, to my buddies that are 10 beers in at the bar, like, dude, they're not even fighting. Out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, they're not even, he's not throwing. It's like, man, there is an art, especially when you look at a guy like Adesanya who's in a fight with 
a Pereira mm. and a guy like Cannoneer that have these the power. that power. Yep. It's like, of course, I'm not going to go into a firefight. So it's always interesting to me. But I'm I'm not an Islam guy. I don't. I think he's definitely earned like my respect and a lot of people's respect. Going back to how we started this conversation with Charles Oliveira and doing what he did to him, but I think Volkanovski is being disrespected, and I think a big storyline in this fight is going to be if Volk can do what he's been doing with staying on the outside, don't take it to the ground. But also, if it goes to the ground, we saw T-City, Ortega, have him yeah. turning purple, and he fought out of that. There's a will to that guy that I think is unmatched, and it's going to be, it could, it could go down as a classic. I really think that. And my, I do think Islam, I think Islam gets a finish or Volkanovski wins this fight. That's like my, and I know I'm giving you like two options, okay. but if, if the size and the strength advantage that Islam has over him, I think that could play a big role. But also Volk is, Volk knows this also. So he's not right. going to put himself in. It's a five rounder too. Yeah. So you have to think about that, like how, how each guy could favor in that. And so that's where I give Volkanovski an edge. He's been through those a lot. <laughs> so being that he's had that experience and knows what it takes in the championship rounds, I feel like that's an edge there for him. Uh, I also think that just like we were talking about being able to be on the outside. Remember Max? After the first one, he could barely walk yeah. into the press conference. And that's why I keep bringing up the leg kicks because sometimes I feel like fighters get to a certain point and they're just like, you know, maybe I'm going to abandon that and try this. I don't think this is the fight for experimentation. I think it's the one where you stick to the bread and butter and what's got you into the position that you're in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and leg kicks are no joke. Those are, it doesn't take much. Mm -hmm. like one or two clean shots on, like, the calf, those calf kicks, and then come round two, you can't stand. Right. Adesanya mentioned that recently in an interview, and he said that after the first round, he, he wasn't feeling anything. And then when he went to the stool, stood up, he's like, holy shit, my leg is compromised. Especially being that he's the the shorter fighter, right? So right. it's the best way to keep the distance yeah. for him and mm -hmm. not have to get too close in and, and to work your range. Is there anything else on this card that has your eye? Oh, of course, the co-main. Yeah. Yair. And then you had Josh Emmett. Yeah. And these another two guys that have just, you know, fought their way up to this position. And Yair had, you know, his own kind of uh struggles and but i think there's gonna be a lot of fireworks in it Emmett's always like that kind of grinder like you just yeah. don't know what to expect out of him but he every time i think if i've ever counted out josh Emmett, it's been once or twice and both times the first time i was like oh never do that again and then i did it again and then i was like oh why'd you do that yeah that, you never ever ever go against Emmett again and so it's like he's got a good team behind him uh i think yair's you know trying to prove that he's the guy now and it, it's gonna be a hot co-main definitely yeah i'm glad that you mentioned that one because uh, i've always been a yair guy yeah and flashy and yeah yeah he's fun he's like an, a, he's yeah. a fighter that if you're out with your buddies and you're watching it at a bar and he comes up on the screen you're like dude you gotta watch this yeah. guy this guy is very entertaining but then emmett has that fight against michael johnson i think he's down 2-0 going into that last round and then one shot just puts him out yeah. out so that's gonna be fun but also 145, I feel like, is in a weird spot because mm -hmm. this is going to be the interim. And I don't know about you. I don't like when guys are jumping. Guys and girls are jumping around divisions because then it, it puts. It used the, to be so much. Yeah. But, yeah. Then it, but then it puts the other one on hold. Mm -hmm. And that was something that I thought could happen 
with um the heavyweight, right? With the heavyweight belt because you had Glover there and then the whole thing with um I'm sorry, light heavyweight with the uh, y- Yuri mm. and trying to wait and see what would happen with that and then they have the another fight and it's like with all the things that happen you have to wonder like, okay, somebody else going to be now put on hold with what transpired, you know, it's like, but uh, just w- when people started jumping, it was because I think Connor achieved something that at the time only three others had done from BJ Penn to Randy Couture and, you know, um, was it being a double champ and Dan Hendo, the original, <laughs> the pride belt and all UFC belt, um, strike force, strike force belt, but never the UFC belt. I said I mistake myself, my words. But when you think about um, just the fact now, it was so different then. Like nobody really did that then because at the time too, when you think about WEC, Strike Force, Pride, everything, it was like kind of ending and kind of merging at the same time. So guys, I think we're still trying to figure out like you know where they stood and when WEC got absorbed by the UFC and coming in and all those guys just wanted to establish like those weight classes, right? Featherweight, bantamweight, all of, you know, flyweight. Uh, and now that that everybody kind of has their role, you know, the weight classes are where they are. I think it's like, Hey, let's be, how do we make this even bigger? How do we get even, you know, more belts, more titles, things like that. So yeah, there's a lot, I think now when you look at it and, uh, people just want to, uh, and not overachieve, I guess, but to be able to cement their legacy, cement mm. their legacy. Yeah. You mentioned Conor McGregor. Do you care about him anymore? Um. They just announced that him and Chandler are going to be the Ultimate Fighter coaches, so they're going to be slated to fight. I would assume because Ultimate Fighter ends early August. I would say maybe November in New York. Or December in Vegas, which they always have a December card. You know, Connor likes Vegas. Yeah. But like also Vegas. he had, he, you, you ain't kidding. Um, he also had great success in New York against Eddie Alvarez. Mm-hmm. And like New York is not a, you know, it's, it's the, the original site of the champ right. champ. <laughs> so my question to you as we wrap up the UFC portion of this show is, do you, do you care about Connor anymore? Is it, is it still going to, are you going to be excited when it happens? Because I do have a take about Connor. He's always managed to keep his name relevant. Um, does he still have it? That's what I wonder. Because right. you know, you get in there, he comes back, he does these one-offs, and then disappears. He hasn't really showed that. I mean, it's not to say he's not training. You see all the stuff where he's training. Right, right, He's right. always constantly training. And you just wonder, you know, putting all the stuff outside that has happened with him has been a lot, like John Jones, right? Just yeah, Talking yeah. about just the fighter alone. You wonder... If he can still uh, get back to the pinnacle, like, can he get back to being that guy that was looked at and revered and it's so, um, as the fighter, the, the guy that everybody wanted to be, he mm. was the one they were chasing. I don't know if he can ever get back to that, but for him to at least get back in there and pick a win up or something, I, I think it'd be good for his name and his brand. Uh, but as far as, ever I don't know getting back to full relevance in terms of having the win streaks and getting back to a title belt I don't know I don't I don't think he has it well I do think that we have one more Connor moment and what I mean by that is you're right we haven't seen him 
like has he made the second round? Oh, he made the second round against Poirier in the second yeah. fight, and then he mm-hmm. got knocked out. Mm-hmm. But and then he broke his leg against Poirier, and then prior to that, he fought he fought Cowboy, which oh, Cerrone is an absolute legend of the fight game. But that win over him didn't age well because Cerrone ended up losing like six straight fights. Right, and it always sucks when you see like the OGs of the fight game, like Frankie Edgar. Also, that was so devastating. And Shogun, the way that went. Shogun yeah. also, you know, it's guys that they would have murdered in mm-hmm. their prime and now they're being kind of spoon-fed which is which i'm happy what happened to tony Fader. oh, oh tony <laughs> and and uh nate diaz uh-huh. how that turned out but with connor i think we get one more yo connor is fighting and i think unless he wins his next fight then it'll be oh maybe we prolong that conversation but if he goes out there and he loses to Chandler, who I think is the most exciting fighter in the UFC right now, like every fight he's won a bonus. Yeah. Uh, he's either been finished or... It's wild. Or the fight against Gaethje, like both of those guys. I can't believe I was there. And it was the first time, Heidi, in my life where I saw the entire crowd for 15 minutes were on their feet. Yeah. Like from I the remember, first exchange. You know what's I, crazy? I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I watched that while I was on a bus in New Jersey. I was going to a game. And uh, I remember having it on my phone. Like I was on my way from a bus to uh, go to the hotel. <laughs> it's like, whoa! Like people yeah. thought I was nuts. Probably. Well, it's New Jersey, you know. Like people scream a lot on their phones, and yeah, you know, it's different. Yeah. But. <laughs> but it was it was wild. So like Chandler is, I think Chandler is the perfect kind of fight for him because Chandler he does have the wrestling, but he don't really wrestle. He never really wrestles. He's gonna go in there for a firefight, and I think it's the perfect kind of matchup for Connor to have another moment. Because that's the kind of fight that Connor needs. You can't throw him in there with like an Islam or Oliveira or even a, a Dariush. Yeah. Like he needs a Dustin Poirier. He needs a Michael Chandler or even a Gaethje. I'm down with the Chandler fight really because uh, as wild as Chandler gets, it suits Connor to have the technical edge. I say that word again. Yeah. But I mean, he does. He has a lot of plans into how to fight a wild fighter. And we've seen him do that and yeah. take advantage of mistakes. Don't know if he's at that same level still. Right. This is a wait and see. That's but. a that's a very fair assessment. Mm-hmm. And even Poirier mentioned it about Chandler, how he said there were certain exchanges that he had Poirier up against the cage, but Chandler was kind of throwing, looping, as opposed to coming straight down. And right. Poirier said, he's like, man, if he was more technical, he would have put me out. But that's, you know, those head down wild exchanges wild. that they yeah. have. It's a gift and a curse. You're exciting, but you also don't get, the results that you really want. And the thing too with a guy like Chandler is you're always going to have to eat one of those to be able to get where you want to go in the fight. You're going to have to know how to take his power. And, you know, like we said, we've seen Connor knocked out a couple times recently. So you have to see if, you know, when, not recent, but you know what I mean, um, in the past. So if it comes up on those times again, you're going to have to see if he can handle that and withstand the heat that Chandler brings. This was a fun conversation. I appreciate you stopping by. I appreciate you for all that you've helped do for me. Let the people know where they can find you. At Heidi Fang, social media, um, pretty much, I think, Instagram and Twitter, are both of those. So I don't even really use Facebook anymore. Mm. <laughs> if it, I'm posting to Facebook, it's because the thing on Instagram does that for me. Yeah. I barely get on there anymore. Yeah. So it's just those two. Um, I started a TikTok, but I have no idea what my username is. Okay. I, I got on there one time because somebody told me to start a TikTok. I made something about donuts, and now I don't know my... It says to log in with, like, five different ways. Yeah. And I don't know what I started it with. So, back to square one. Like, TikTok. 
I just I just remembered, and this is terrible of me. You cover the Raiders. Yeah. Who's going to be the quarterback next year? Wow, that's a great question. That is the question. We've been thinking a lot, talking a lot about that on a show. You know, um, you're talking to a Derek Carr stand. For are someone you that's not a Raider fan, yeah. I love Derek Carr. Yeah. I think the disrespect is crazy to okay. me. Okay. I think he's brought stability to an organization that had to move cities, yep. right? Had all the chaos go down with Gruden and then Henry Ruggs and then that other DB with the guns and on Arnett, social media. Yeah. And it's like, dude, this guy has had to deal with a lot of shit. Yeah. And to me, the way I define a franchise quarterback is, yeah, do I want him to be Herbert and Mahomes and Jalen Hurts? Of course I do. But if for a decade I don't need to address that position with a high pick, in the draft, I think that's a win for you. Yeah, I think, you know, per, as a person, Derek was always very forthcoming. He was a good guy, always real uh, good head on his shoulders, carried the whole team on his back through everything that transpired and went down, like you mentioned, with Ruggs, Arnett, Gruden, all of that. And then uh, I think when a lot of the, you know, you said Stan, a lot of the Stan said that they were upset because they felt Carr was disrespected and in terms of not being able to say goodbye, not being able to have that last game, not being able to finish out the season. The Raiders were just trying to save themselves from the $40 million possible injury clause in there, $40 million that Carr would have been owed if he got hurt, that becomes fully guaranteed out of his contract, which is why they put him on the bench for those last couple of games to avoid the injury hit. From. Uh, I'm, I'm also calling BS. I don't know. That's what I had heard. So, and, and you're way more tapped yeah. in for sure. But to me, I saw it happen with New York with the Giants and Eli Manning. Mm -hmm. I think the big controversy when he got benched and they broke the streak of his, it's they put in Geno Smith. Yeah. Now, let's remember Geno Smith at that time. Geno, Geno has not, it was not resurrected Geno Smith right. this year with and, Pete Carroll. <laughs> and especially in New York, when we're like, yo, bro, you're not going to put in Geno Smith over Eli Manning, where we saw this guy for four years yeah. with the Jets completely just shit the bed and then be moved on. If the Giants or if the Raiders, they put in a first-round pick rookie, it's like no one's going to bitch and moan about that. Right. It's like, all right, man, look, we're not. Let's see what this kid got. Maybe we could use the injury clause in the contract as like a loophole, but I think it's more reasonable to the fan base if you're saying, We got this young rookie. We're not gonna make the playoffs. Let's see what he has. He's a first round pick, second round pick. I think they did have to see they did have to absolutely see what Jared Stidham had. Nah, um, we've seen Stidham. Well, That's they needed to for their offense. That's what I think. I think they needed to see if he could be the next guy or if they needed to go to the books and find out, you know, if he had learned enough and grown enough. Mm. Um, and then now, I don't know if I agree. And then now they're looking at, I think, you know, Aaron Rodgers is a viable pick uh, for them. If he comes back from his walkabout and decides that this is the way he wants to go. Yeah. I um, mean, it makes sense with Devonte to try to pursue that. So now how does the money work? It's a lot of money to owe to a 39 year old quarterback. Um, and also, we can't forget that Green Bay has a big say in this because sure. if they trade him before June 1st, he's a $40 million cap hit for them. Mm -hmm. I saw the Giants do that with Odell. They signed Odell to this massive contract, and yep. then they trade him. Right. And the first year he was in Cleveland, I think Cleveland paid like $68,000 to him. The rest of it was like the Giants have it on the books. And you're like, what the yeah. is happening? Yeah. Uh, and so I think... Uh, 
at most looking at Aaron Rodgers, the second I would say would be Jimmy Garoppolo, the third I'd say would be a draft pick. Mm. That's who could possibly be the quarterback of the Raiders next year. Still a lot to look at, but I don't, it's definitely not going to be safe. Heidi Fang, this was awesome. I hope uh, you enjoyed your time in the studio, and I'll have you on again. I love it. It's hot. Thank you so much for having me. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.